Welcome to Breaking Barriers. We want to help you continue to learn and grow. So after listening to today's inspiring guest, head on over to womanleadershipnation.com and sign up for our mailing list. You will receive exclusive content, updates, and new podcast episodes delivered right to your inbox. Our guest today is an extremely passionate woman who shows us what it takes to live and lead with purpose, laughter, and strength. She shares her journey from refugee to retail sales associate to one of the most successful entrepreneurs in Canada. This forward-thinking, pioneering woman pushes the envelope and follows her passions. She's the co-founder of Skillet, a marketplace for sharing knowledge and building skills. She's consulted with thousands of leading institutions on leading change, navigating disruption, corporate social responsibility, brand transformation, and so much more. We are thrilled to have the award-winning Zara Al-Hazari on the show with us today. You do not want to miss this brilliant woman's recommendations for success. And now introducing your host, co-founder and president of Women Leadership Nation, Jennifer Latticer. So thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So I've spent the last um, couple of weeks uh, staying up till two in the morning as I can get my quiet time from midnight till two in the morning reading your book. It's incredible. Thank you. <laughs> and so um, I'm gonna, we're going to start the podcast off, though, with the same question that we ask everybody. When you were younger, what did you want to be? Oh, wow. Um, I had no idea. I just, you know, I grew up in a very different society. I grew up in in the Middle East and um, girls weren't allowed to, like, there was no gym class. There was um, no dreams to be had for women other than getting married and having kids and being a good mother and a good wife and and um, keeping the honor of your family, not doing anything bad, like showing an ankle because, you know, that dishonors everybody. And so there, there weren't any dreams. I, you know, I, I wanted to go away to university. Um, and that was my big big thing was I wanted to go to university, but, you know, the path to seeing how that is even going to happen, um, I, I don't think was ever anything I really believed in. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're in that type of environment. What really drove you then? Because I'm sure that when you're surrounded with all of that, it's deep into the culture. Um, maybe your friends are also following it. What gave you that spark to kind of be defiant and be like, no, this is not for me? Um, You know, it was a number of things. Uh, One was my family. My family were very unique to the culture in Yemen, especially my mother. Uh, My mother's from India. She wasn't even from Yemen. And and, uh, uh, we left... um, came to Yemen as refugees uh, when I was two. Um, uh, And my mother was new to the country and new to the culture. And she had lived a very um, sheltered life in India, a very privileged life. And and all of a sudden, you know, we landed in Yemen um, with, with pennies in our pocket. And, and, um, 
And she worked really hard to fit in, but she also worked hard to, to make sure I kind of had a, a, an opportunity to see what else is out there. Um, and the, the, uh, the thing was, it was always you can see, but you can't touch. Like you can see this world, but you're not a part of it. You can't be that person. But I got to travel, unlike a lot of my friends. My cousins lived in, in England. And, you know, I got to see how the freedom that they had and the life they had. And and uh, there was always this question. It's like, why can't I touch that? And why can't that be my life? And and so it became very frustrating. And, um, uh, you know, um that that's what started the questioning really for me. Right. And yeah, all throughout the book, you talk about how you really tried to push the envelope and, and that you were seen as that defiant child, but yet in many ways I kept thinking, yeah, but that's such a strength that you're clearly seeing, you know, that, that ability to just push and, and, you know, achieve something. So you, Maybe tell us a little bit about your, the journey that you take people on in your book. So you did make it to the U.S. and then you eventually came to Canada. Sort of what was your journey from a perspective of your career and your, your life? Um, well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because for me, it, I didn't see it as pushing. I didn't see it as being resilient. I didn't see it as, you know, wanting something more. I just... I, I always had this frustration of, you know, what I wanted to do and what I couldn't do. And I've, I've had that multiple times throughout my life is like, why can't I do that? You know, why, why can't I be that person? Like, why are you stopping me? Right. And I think, um, so most people saw that as, as me being a troublemaker and, and I did, I got into a lot of trouble growing up. And, and for me, it was just like, just let me be. Right. Let me do what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and nobody wanted to to do that. And it was it was like, you know, that was my frustration is I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm asking you to just leave me alone. Just let yeah. me do what I want to do. Right. And I think that's that ends up that ended up being very much of a driving force for me is is that this sense of freedom. It's like, just give me the freedom to let me try it. Let me fail. Let me experience things. Let me taste them. Let me see them. Let me touch them. Let me just do what I want to do. And, and, uh, and so, um, and I see that in, in, in my daughters right now. And I'm right. like, you are so stubborn. You are such a brat. And then I'm like, no, 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 you are wonderful. Just yeah. do what you want to do. <laughs> yeah, you're right. your mindset shifts, right? Because you right. see that quality of like, it's a freedom and it's almost like a, a, a desire, a strong desire to be yourself and explore what you can become, right? And so yeah. how, do you, how do you nurture that in your children now when you see that? And it's hard, you know, in their early years, and I'm probably going off on a different topic now, but in their early years, I was that strict mom, you know, and it was like, and, and I had to actually like physically sit down with myself and, 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 and try and understand what I'm doing to affect their future and their lives and, and not letting them fail and trying, you know, you want to take your kids and put them in this protective little bubble and fix everything. And, right. and 
can't do that. Yeah. Um, so, but back to your question about, um, which I don't even remember what it is now, but it's, <laughs> you know, the journey. Um, the journey, yeah. So we left Yemen um, after uh, the, well, initially I got married at 17. We got, went to the U.S. because my uh, husband at the time was uh, studying there. And uh, so we lived in the U.S. for a few years and it was very fascinating for me because, you know, now all of a sudden I have a, a little bit of that freedom um, that I've been craving so much. Um, but then I had my oldest daughter when I was 19. I had my other daughter when I was 20. Um, I had a big red minor stamped across my driver's license because <laughs> I had two kids and I still wasn't 21 yet. And it makes me laugh all the time because it's like, you know, you, you, you don't, at, at 21, you're not old enough to drink. And yeah. yet, you can have children and, and be expected to raise them properly and, you know, do all the yeah. right things. Well, I um, have the same experience. I was 19 when I got, no, I was 18 when I got married and had a baby and we were getting married and I wasn't allowed to actually purchase the wine for the wedding. <laughs> right. but, yeah. it, but it's, it's tough, right? It is. It is because, you know, raising children is like whatever you do in those early years affects them for their entire life. And, you know, you have to take a test to get a driver's license, but you don't have a, to take a test to be a parent. And, and it, I, you know, um, there's always times I always say that I don't have any regrets except things I could have done better with my kids. Right. You know, and, um, but anyway, so we came to Canada. Um, I was, uh, how old was I? I was 26 at the time. I had uh, three kids. We left, uh, we left Yemen because of the civil war. Um, and my son was born right after the war and we just had enough and we were like, you know, we need a better life for our kids. And so I came to Canada, not again, not having a dream for myself not having a thought for a future. It was about the kids. It was about healthcare. It was about education. And uh, we, ca we came here. And for the first year, I was trying to figure things out. Like, you know, how do I dress the kids so that they fit in? How do, you know, as a family, how do I um, do the right things and say the right things? How do we become a part of this society? And it was a big struggle because, you know, my, my husband got a job and he was working. I didn't have any credentials to help me get a job. The kids became Canadian like this, you know, they, yeah. uh, they, um, they adjust quickly, <laughs> really, really quickly. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden I was feeling like I, I wasn't a part of this. And, and, uh, um, and so I, uh, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I never thought I was good at anything because in, 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 um, the culture that I grew up in, you know, girls are, are told that the things that you are told is be good, right? right. Be good. That, that is the big thing. You have to be good. Um, but good at being a wife, being a mother, you know, preserving your family's integrity and honor and, and, and reputation and, uh, and being a good person. And, not anything beyond that, not anything beyond the four walls of the world that you live in. And, and so trying to venture outside of that um, was, was a desire, um, but it wasn't a desire that I had any confidence in. It wasn't a desire that I actually thought I had any ability um, to do that. Like, how would I fit into this society? Who was going to hire me um, when I didn't have any credentials, you know, yeah. I didn't have any work experience. And, and so I started at the mall 
And I started. I love that story in your book. I love it. I was like, oh my gosh, you, you literally was, you you were in a position where I think a lot of women find themselves where sometimes it's like, you know, something has to change, but you have no idea where to start or what to do. And you over, you had this challenge that you weren't sure, uh, you know, how to get a job and that you literally went out and came home with one. I literally went to the mall and I came home with a job at Danier Leather. But you know, it's scary because as women, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, right? You know, any time that we take for ourselves takes time away from our children and our house and our family. And, you know, and I I grew up eating fresh, healthy food and never anything that came out of a box, for example. The very first time my son had craft dinner was when he was 11 and he went to the neighbor's house and he came home and he's like, I had the best dinner tonight. And I'm like, what did you have? And he's like, Katie. And I'm like, what's that? And he's like, craft dinner. And I'm just like, seriously, like I break my back cooking these healthy meals fresh fresh vegetables (laughs) and you love craft dinner. But you know, that's, that's kind of the pressure that we put on ourselves. We need to do the right things all the time. And, And those right things somehow don't involve ourselves. Right. Right. No, I definitely agree with you. And I I think it's a struggle that everybody can find themselves in, especially when they're balancing work and, and home life and, and that guilt. I mean, that's, that's partly why I read your book in the middle of the night, because I'm so busy working during the day. And then, you know, to, to sit outside and, and read while I could be spending time with the kids. And instead I chose when they're asleep, I do it at midnight till two. Yeah. And, but you know, that pressure where, you know, so, so then you get this job at Danny leather and what's incredible is the, the ability to really create some amazing skills for yourself that you use later on. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that connection. So the skills that I learned, you know, were, just basic things. Like I'd never worked before. I didn't know how to work a till. I didn't know how to talk to a customer. I, I just didn't, there was so many things that, um, I just had no idea how to do. And so, um, there was all of those skills, but then there was also these, these, um, soft skills Mm -hmm. that, you know, that is, that I'm learning is such a big skills gap nowadays, but, you know, leadership, teammanship, how to work with other people, how to have empathy, how to sell something to someone and, and learning about people. They're so different, you know, and, and like when I go shopping, for example, I really don't want a salesperson to talk to me until I have a question for them. Right. You know, and I just, I, I, I'm pretty focused. I like to look and, and kind of figure things out. There's other people that need compliments. Right. You know, and there's other people that just need help figuring it out. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what I want, you know, and, and, and they need you to put an outfit together for them. So everybody is different. And, and I, I learned all these little things about, you know, how, how people react, like, how do, how do I make a sale? Because we worked on commission. And so those were little things that I didn't even realize that I was learning, you know, how do you sell something to someone? What does that person in front of you need from you right now? And, and that became a driving force in my life. It, what does the person in front of me need from me? You know, and, and uh, I remember one time um, I was doing this panel uh, with, uh, with some, some young people and there was four, four of us on the panel, uh, four in, uh, plus me. 
and I knew them, so this was okay. But, you know, everybody went through and they were giving these kids um, uh, tips on, on how to network, you know, and like figure out the guest list before you go to an event, find out who you want to talk to, um, learn some stuff about them and go talk to them and, and all of those things, you know, and, right. and kind of went down the panel and it got to me and I'm like, forget everything that they said to you because... <laughs> That's not what you need to do. Yes, you need to know all that information, but when you are at an event, you are talking to the person directly in front of you. What can you do for them? Like that's what you should always bring to a conversation. What connection can you make? What help can you give them? What piece of information can you give them that's that's going to make a difference? Like how are you going to make a difference? Because that's what's going to make you stand out. Right. In their lives and, and, you know, get you to the goals that you want. And, and so I kind of unconsciously learned how to do that. And uh, so figured that out, got, got to the next stage, got to Danielle Leather, made more sales than anybody um, in Alberta at the time <laughs> that I was working part-time. Um, and, uh, and then I really decided to go back to school because I wanted more than just a job in, 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 you know, at the mall. Um, and, uh, so, but again, growing up in Yemen, you have all these self doubts and, you know, can I actually do that? Um, is that even in my wheelhouse? Am I going to be good at it? And, and so, um, the one thing I thought that I was good at was drawing, uh, wasn't really true. But, you know, my mom's a, an amazing artist. She does these gorgeous, gorgeous paintings. And I thought, well, you know, maybe that's something I can do. And that wasn't her career. That was her hobby. But um, I thought, you know, um, she used to sell these paintings in, in, in bazaars and raise money. She, uh, her and her friends bought the first dialysis machine in Yemen. Um, you know, they, yeah. they uh, raised money for the women's prison. They funded the school for the blind. You know, they did all these things. And she did a lot of that on her creative skills. Um, she wrote a cookbook and, and sold that all for charity. And so I'm like, okay, well, I can be creative. Right. And so that's why I went to art school. <laughs> no, I think it's amazing because, you know, when people think of what they should be doing next, it's, it's amazing to think, you can think beyond what the traditional ideas are. And you maybe you went into art school without really understanding what the end result will be or career wise, but it just evolved for you because you were following your passion. Would you agree with that? You have to really follow something that you are passionate about and aligns with your values and what you want to achieve. Yes. Um, and no. Okay. Uh, I think both things at the same time, because sometimes, you know, I, I feel like we sometimes do our kids a disservice when we tell them, just follow your passion, because they don't realize the hard work and the steps that they need to take in order to live that ultimate life that they want, right? And it's it, right. following your passion doesn't always get you to the ultimate goal, which is you know, financial security to do the things that you want to do and, and the ability to pick and choose those things that you enjoy and not do the things that you can't. And, you know, and, and it, it takes 
a lot of work and effort to get yeah. to that stage. So for me, for example, now with Skillet, with my new company, um, yeah. there's pieces of the business that I'm really good at. And that's all I want to do. And I don't want to do HR because I, I don't like managing people and I'm not good at it. You know, right. I don't necessarily want to do the financial parts because it doesn't interest me or, or you know, right. feed my soul. Yeah. And, but I've worked to get to that point. Exactly. The and hard work has to get it to to really be in there. And I, I, I completely relate because my daughter, she wants to be an actress and you know, that's a hard road. And I said, you know, you need to study first in certain areas, maybe go into film and television and work behind camera, do certain things as well so that you have that balance. So, you know, you mentioned skill well, and you so. learn all those things and you learn how they're done. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. So maybe we, we jump right into that though. So you, you've started this new company. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about what, what it is, but also what initiated it. What, what made you see that there was a need? So what initiated it takes me back to, you know, art school and, and uh, kind of building that and realizing that there was a part of art school that I really enjoyed, and that was graphic design. And to be honest, at the time, it also was the only one that actually gave you a nine to five job um, because everything else in art school is based on your talent and your ability to sell a piece of art that you made. Um, whereas graphic design actually was a hireable job. Right. And, um, and I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed creating brands and I enjoyed the, the, the psychology behind, you know, why you get people to buy the things that you want them to buy and why you get them to eat at the restaurant that you want them to eat at and, you know, all of those things. And so that kind of um, uh, led to my first company, which was a uh, art ag ad agency. Mm -hmm. And so I built this ad agency and, and kind of realized that the it wasn't, I enjoyed the work. I enjoyed the psychology behind it, the strategy um, in, behind building a brand, not actually the, the actual creative work, but right. more the thought process that led to that. Um, but it also was a means to an end. You know, I needed financial security in my life and I needed to build something that I could. And this, this was a direct path and it was an easy way because I, I was, I had the ability to start my own company, get my clients and, and, and build that in a much faster way. And so that became the drive and the passion behind that. But as soon as I, I got that security, um, as soon as I built that company and it was successful, we were one of the, the most uh, award-winning, international award-winning agency in Canada. And as soon as that happened, I, I kind of backtracked a little bit and, and thought about that passion that you were talking about. What is it that I'm interested in doing? You know, what is it that that is about this business that I'm running right now that is causing me an immense amount of dissatisfaction, right. um, you know, and, and, and what can I do to change that? And I realized a few things. I, I wasn't excited about the work that I was doing. It didn't feed this, this part of me that I really um, wanted um, to, uh, to grow. And, and, and that was helping people. It was, the, it was back to the, the strategy of solving a problem. Mm -hmm. And for me, solving a problem was, was a big part of the passion. And it was, how do I make people's lives better? How do I enhance and, uh, and do something that 
that has a lasting impact on them, right? You know, not just I sold a product to you, um, but what did I do for you that you now can take for the rest of your life? And so that kind of started this germ of an idea of experiences. Um, So after, um, uh, during that period of time, I was going on multitude of adventures. I had joined an international board um, and we had our board meetings um, a few times a year in different countries. So everywhere from Singapore to London to Malaysia to, you know, and so that was really exciting. Um, I was doing a lot of international speaking up to 20 countries um, and uh, traveling um, uh, to these, uh, I was part of uh, entrepreneurs organizations so traveling to um, these universities and stuff. And there, there was a lot of, um, after my uh, after my divorce, there was a lot of firsts. Right, you know, I, I wanted to learn how to ride a motorcycle. I I jumped out of a plane. I I started doing all these these things. You that just I went for it. <laughs> I just went for it. I just yeah. and 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 a lot of them um, like skydiving was yeah. was not a pleasant experience and, <laughs> and not to be repeated. But you know there was a, there was a lot of great things and and I, I started thinking about all these experiences that people can have and that they don't because they're too busy, they're too afraid, they're too whatever. And so the initial thought was. To to build an experiences company. So instead of giving somebody uh, a gift, you know, yeah. you give them an experience. Right. And uh, that was the initial thing. And then I, I partnered up with Sarah Katyal, who um, is my co-founder of Skillet. And initially she was, she is this young, bright, talented, you know, go-getter that it's just, it's like, I'm constantly doing this with her. That's um, exciting though, right? Because it, it brings that energy and then, you know, you, you both have different perspectives to create something completely. 100%. I absolutely yeah. love having her as a partner, but initially I hired her um, to help me build an investor deck. Um, right. Because I, I had this idea for this company, I needed money, you know, I, I had no idea how a seed stage investment or a series A or, you know, like the, the yeah. tech side of the business and, and Sarah had all of that. And so we started building um, this investor deck. And as we were building it, you know, this, the, I was, I was consulting at RBC, Sarah's consulting at Google. Uh, she still, she still is because, um, you know, as we're building a startup, yeah. we still need sources of income to feed um, the business. So, yeah. so Sarah is a consultant at Google. Uh, she helped build a, a startup, Google Startup Canada. She helped build the cloud in, in, uh, at Google and, and, um, and so as we're, and, and at RBC, I was working on their youth strategy. Right. Um, which is a $750 million um, a CSR uh, that, uh, project that they want to do to help um, young people improve their lives. And so I did a ton of research into the skills gap and, you know, what people need to improve their lives and the difference between hard skills and soft skills and how all right. these kids are coming out of university and they don't have the soft skills that they need in order to get to the next stage that, you know, they, they need in their lives and, and the company needs from them. And um, so as, as she's doing her work, I'm doing her work, this, this idea started to develop about skills. And so instead of just having an experience, you can have an experience and learn how to do something at the same time. And right. we, fa- we found that the dropout rate for online learning is 98%. 
even if you've paid for a course. Really? You know, even even yeah. if you've paid for a course, the dropout rate is huge because people get bored. You know, they hit a wall and they can't figure out that one thing and they have nobody to ask a question of. Right. And it's kind of lonely and boring to sit behind your computer by yourself and try and learn something as opposed to being interactive. And yeah. so Skillet became this this live in person. Um, uh, LinkedIn Learning is only doing two minute videos now because that's the max attention span. Yeah, the attention span is crazy. I can see that even with the younger generation. And and so we really wanted to to help improve skills, but do it in a a way that is interactive and fun and and involves an experience. So we're like, you know, what if we can build these experiences where you learn a skill, you can go to a restaurant and learn how to bartend. Right. But you can learn it in with the person there, you can bring your girlfriends, you know, whatever, um, to make it more interactive, more fun. And you walk away with a skill. Um, I've always wanted an herb garden, right? But I have no idea where to begin. What kind of soil, what plants like the sun, what plants don't like the sun, what are the different times of year that you should plant? And, you know, and, 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 and I'm like, it's so much work to try and figure this out on my own, right? It is. You know, but if, if like some pieces of information, right? Like you're exactly. going to go online and find a part that you need. Or, or honestly, do you have the time to buy a book and read through the whole thing? Typically, people don't. Exactly. Right? But if somebody can come to my house yes. <laughs> and help me plant this herb garden and leave me with all that information, and when they go away... I have an herb garden that has been started and I know how to manage it. Like how amazing would that be? Yeah. And there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that available. You know, you have to go and search for that person and that skill. There's no one central spot. Right. And so that really excited us. And what are the different skills? Like, for example, you're going sailing with your friends for the first time and you don't want to look like an idiot who doesn't know how to tie knots. (laughs) Right. So what if somebody can just come and teach you all? of that before you leave or Mayo and I were going to an event one time and and it was a black tie and so we went online trying to figure out how to tie this bow tie and there's this one (laughs) stupid little fold under and I just could not figure it out I could not figure it out we ended up going to the event with the bow tie in his pocket yeah right (laughs) you know hoping that somebody will tie this for him but you know like what if somebody can come and just teach me how to do that. And then now I know it and I have that skill and I've had an experience um, while doing it. Um, If I want to learn how to do my taxes, if I want to learn how to balance my books, like, you know, if I want to learn how to save money, like it's a lot of work. I I made my kids when they turned 16, read rich dad, poor dad, right. You know, which gave them some ideas, but then there's, there's so many other things. Like, how do I set up a bank account? How do I do my end of life? You know, I've spent the last year kind of, um, figuring this out. And, and a friend of uh, mine, Julia um, Johnson, and I are actually talking about writing a book about, you know, how do you organize your life? Like, how do I do a yeah. closet edit? How do I do a pantry edit? How do I get all my my passwords, you know, in a safe, yes. secure place where I can easily find them? And, and all of this stuff that takes away all I'm talking about my other business no but it it makes sense it makes sense because (laughs) there's so many things like I think about and I think you know that right now I'm doing like you say the passwords the the organizing your all of the accounts everything just real life things that you're not taught and And some and takes people, up so much of your time and adds so much stress to your life. Like, do you know how stressful? Well, you know how stressful yeah. it is to have all these things 
that you haven't done, that you haven't sorted, that you haven't figured out that yeah. just take away from your day where you can just do what you need to do. Like yeah. get all that stuff organized out of the way and done. Yeah. Um, you have a system, you create a system and you're okay. And that's just one example, but exactly, exactly. It, I think that's amazing. So that's the premise of skillet. You know, I want to run it. I want to run a 5k like, you know, and, and, and I can go out and find a coach, but what if I find a coach in this one place where everything I want to learn how to do is? So that was the premise of Skillet. And Sarah and I decided, um, we, so the idea of the experiences changed to this and, and right. we kind of got to this great idea and then decided that this was both of our ideas, not mine. And yeah. she needs to stop being an employee who's building this deck and, and be a partner. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so we started um, working on this together and, you know, it's, it's been really interesting. My, my first partnerships with, with my first company didn't go so well. Right. And it was also because I, I, there was a lot I didn't know. And there was a lot about us that was so different that was unbridgeable. You know, right. and there was a lot about us that was good. Um, so I'm never going to deny that my, my first uh, partners really helped me learn a lot about business and, and everything that we needed to do. But there was also these differences that we just were not going to get past. And so Sarah and I had to work really, really hard on our relationship along mm -hmm. with our partnership, along yeah. with our business. You know, and initially we were butting heads a lot because she's this young millennial that has an idea of how she wants to do things. And I'm an older, you know, <laughs> um, person with different ideas of how yeah. to do things. And, and that was causing some, some clashes and we really had to work through it. I had to adjust myself and I had to learn how to use Slack. Right, you know, do all the technology things because it's kind of pushing you in other directions, right? Absolutely, and relax on you know an eight o'clock start to our day. Yeah, and and she had to learn how to do things differently as well, and you know, and so so that was really good. You know, kind of, we both learned skills from each other, but yeah. So we came up with with this idea. We decided to build this company, and and then we started working on it, and then. Um, just as we were ready to launch, right. um, COVID hit. And you yeah. know, thank God we did not launch the company before COVID hit because we would have been at an absolute standstill, but we hadn't yet. And as soon as COVID hit, we were like, okay, we need to pivot. But we don't want to pivot to videos because that's the whole premise of our business. You right. know, that's the whole idea about not building it um, uh Having that engagement, like I think people are, especially now that they've been locked up in their homes for so long, um, you know, they're, they're craving that and they're struggling because I think part of the value is you're going to teach skills that really are not traditionally taught in universities or schools. You're going to these life skills, you're going to spark energy and excitement and passion in people that maybe are in a rut and need to explore and it's going to make them more innovative and creative. But it's, I also feel like you're creating this sense of community. So for those that maybe Absolutely. don't have family. And Absolutely. so, yeah. So one of the ideas, actually, I love that you said that because one of the early ideas is we, I had read this article and it was about this, this woman. Um, I think she was in Ireland and she had a job, you know, corporate job and, and, and successful at it. And she absolutely hated it. 
you know, just was not fulfilled at all. And so she, she just quit her job. She went to Japan because her, her grandfather was Japanese. So she was half, um, um, half Japanese, half Irish and went to Japan and hung out with her grandparents for a while. Well, her grandfather was a Japanese knife maker and made these, these really incredible knives. And she learned the skill from him. Mm-hmm. And then she went back to Ireland and started creating her own handles to go with these beautiful knives and created this entire business and, yeah. and start, has started selling these knives for lots and lots of money. Um, but she had a Japanese grandfather who was a knife maker. Like how yeah. many people My have goodness. that? Right? That's incredible. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, that's where the idea came from. It's like there, there are Japanese knife makers out there yeah. that would love to teach this skill to other people, yeah. you know, and how can we connect them? How can we build this community? Um, if I want to learn how to make pierogies, you know, how much fun would it be to go to a Polish grandmother's house and learn how to make pierogies from her, right? you know, and, and, and have a meal. And now she's, my mom is so excited about this. She's going to, oh, she's like her. signing up. <laughs> oh, absolutely. She, she makes this amazing, um, uh, lamb curry, a white lamb curry made with like crushed cashews and wow. and stuff like that. And so she's going to teach that. And she's like, I get to make a little bit of money. I get to feed people. You See, know, I get to have an evening of entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing because that's the other side that we we haven't talked about too much. But the idea that there's people that have skills that want to share. Yeah. And, and also, especially even with COVID going on, you know, financially, some people need a little extra side income. And 100%. so that's the so, gig economy that we're also yeah. tapping into. You are picking up all pieces of our business. Without <laughs> I get it. Talking totally about get it. <laughs> get it. That's awesome. I love that. But absolutely. Um, by, uh, I think it's 2030. 80% of all jobs are going to be freelance, right? right? You know, and so it is, it's absolutely the need for this side income. Um, you know, 20 years ago, you could make minimum wage and still eventually be able to buy a house. Right. You know, now you make minimum wage and, and you'll never be able to afford a two bedroom apartment uh, right. for rent, right? You know, so it's a very, very different world and people need these additional side pieces of income. They need to be able to feed into their passion. So I'm passionate about making cabinets, but I have to work as an accountant. So, you know, here's something that I can tap into on on the side and make some money and, and things like that. And, you know, like I... Um, I, I had a, in my first house, I had this white concrete countertop that I absolutely right. loved and I'd never seen anywhere before. And it was, yeah. it had this high gloss resin on and I'm like, I would love to learn how to make that, you know, right. not because I want it to be a business. I just want to learn how to do it. Or maybe I do want it to become a business. Yeah. You, you know? never know. Right. Yeah. We so. have uh, these construction guys that just built another cabin for us. So our property here in Montana used to be a guest ranch and we kind of shut down the guest ranch part and just use it for friends and family now, but they just right. built this other cabin for us. And, and they, we, we wanted to make these concrete sidewalks, uh, stamped concrete sidewalks and, yeah. and that kind of are etched to look like stone. And the guys that did the first, uh, sidewalks for us live, you know, three and a half hours away. And so these guys said, we really want to learn how to do it. Maybe Jake can come and show us. So yeah. Jake wasn't available to come and show right. them, but he talked them through it. That's incredible. So and now so they have a whole other... They have this skill and they're excited because, you know, Savino works here in, in the summer and then he goes back to Vegas in the winter. He's like, you know, people who do this make a lot of money in Vegas. 
atheist and I now can do this. Wow. Right. And the guys here have added it to their website. They can do stamped concrete sidewalks. <laughs> so anybody that, so you haven't officially launched yet, but if you have a skill or you want to sign up, can people still go to the website? And yes. Sign up? So, so we did, we did officially launch a couple of weeks okay. ago because so what we had to do with COVID is, is we had to figure out a way where we could do this virtually without doing videos. And so right. we built, um, Google is absolutely fantastic. We build a uh, Google meet right into our website. Right. So, you know, it's not like you buy a skill from someone and then you have to go to zoom and do it. That's and great. It's right it's- in our website. Yeah. Uh, and, and we can have these virtual classrooms so you can do, um, your skillet either virtually, or you can do it in person. If I'm teaching a skillet, um, for example, um, my uh, sister-in-law, Laura, owns a company called Notes to Self, and she learned how to do her own Facebook ads. And so she was visiting here in Montana, and she did a skillet for Sarah and me, teaching yeah. us what she knows about building your own Facebook ads. Um, Sarah was in Toronto, so she was a virtual skillet. I was in person, so yeah. I was here, and she did this, this session with us, and it That's was great. great. That's you know, really good. Can, you can split it. You can go and learn from someone or you can do it virtually. You can have a split class. But the point is it's interactive. I can ask yeah. a question. I can, you know, I can interact with someone because all of us crave this human connection. Especially right now. Like I do believe that it's really good that you've launched because, you know, people are are stuck in a different routine and, you know, feeling that need for connection. and. Yes. Why not? If you can't go out and do something, why not learn something new? You know, there's a lot of people that are doing it for free on Instagram. You know, people who were personal trainers who worked at a gym that's now shut down. They're like, I'm going to do free classes every morning on my, and I'm like, why? Why would you not learn an income from a skill and a career that you have and actually teach it to someone, yeah. you know, but they don't have the, the, the portal and the access to do that. So that's, that's yeah. what we you know, and there's, there's been so many things that I've tasked myself to learn through COVID. Like, you know, I wanted to learn about nutrition. Mm -hmm. What can I eat? That's good for me. How many calories a day do I need? If I'm working out, if I'm not working out, you know, like how can I maintain weight? How can I lose weight? How can I, and Emma Tilson taught me how to do all of those things. And I, you know, Um, And it was fantastic because I talked to her once a week. She walked me through it. She told me what calories I was allowed to eat this week and and gave me the macro breakdowns, right? Right. And now after working with her um, for a period of time and hiring her to teach me this skill, I now know how to do it myself. That's great. Right. That's really good. And you're providing, I think one, one of the other advantages is that you're providing a safe space to go to as well. So, you know, you could go on YouTube to search for something, but you don't necessarily know the individual, you don't know what the quality. And so you're, you're really providing somebody like a one place that you can go, that you have that assurity. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, what's exciting about Skillet for me. And I feel like, you know, we're going to make a difference in people's lives. My favorite part of Skillet, which actually turned, uh, is turning into another business that we thought would be years down the line. So 
there are so many young people out there that don't have access. You know, they just, they can't afford to, to go to school or get a skillet. They're already working two jobs, trying to make ends meet. And we really wanted to find a way to help them build their hard skills and their soft skills, you know, because they don't right. have leadership in their life. They don't have mentorship in their life. They don't have teammanship in their life to teach them how it's done. And you don't learn that from a computer. You just do not learn that from a course. You learn that by interacting with people, by doing doing things, you know, by, by failing, um, by succeeding, by doing that. It's the only way. And so all yeah. these young people don't have access. So um, it's free to sign up to sell a skillet um, on our uh, website. However, there is a small cost. And yeah. that cost is for every 10 skillets that you sell, you have to donate one. I love it. I think that's going to give people a sense of you're just going to feel good when you do something like that. Absolutely. If you're teaching a class of 10 people, if you have a young people that a young person in the classroom that never would have access to this, like yeah. how good does that feel for you, for everybody else that's in the class, you I know, know. You, you, and you have this opportunity to mentor. So um, one free skillet for every 10 that you sell. And we're putting together um, this group um, that we're working on. This is not launched yet, but yeah. um, young people that can sign up for free skillets and, you know, all they have to do is fill out um, uh, a form. Um, but what's great about that is we can categorize that. And in talking to some corporations, this is the second um, part of the business idea. In talking to some corporations about Skillet Forward, what's interesting is they're like, you know, we have the CSR program. Mm -hmm. um, our young people, which, you know, 75% of the workforce in, in a year or two are going to yeah. all be millennials. They don't want to give money to the United Way or other, corporate, uh, other um, charities. They don't have money to give. Right. They actually want to do something. They want to experience it. They want to um, have imp direct impact. They want to know where their effort and their money is going. Yeah. You know, they, they have these ideas about how to change the world. You know, they're interested in climate change or they're interested in this or this. And they also want to build their own soft skills, yes. you know, of empathy and leadership and and, and all of those things. And so they're like, we we will give you... Um, people that to donate skills we'll I just feed it. that part I, of the program and we're like so that's great. amazing yeah because you know you you feed into a corporation csr program you feed into their employee engagement their employee retention you feed into their own uh, employee training yeah. and uh, and and now they can donate skills and you know and and what's what's really great about it is it's direct measurable impact I was actually thinking about that because a lot of times companies will, they'll set a whole day up. They'll like, there's so much infrastructure required to like go and maybe build a, a playground, for example, to get engagement. Whereas you could actually inspire and engage your employees by tapping into their skills that are completely unique, being able to promote that, have absolutely. them give it that. It can be work-related or not work-passion-related, re oh, right? Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I think it, that gives, that builds their cult, corporate culture, that builds the, and people feel like a sense of accomplishment. And then, but they don't have to worry about the infrastructure. You have that handled. We have it handled That's and amazing. we can set it up. And 
you know, if, for example, um, you know, uh, there is a BLM movement now, if yeah. you can say, you know what, we don't, we want to donate for the next six months, we want to donate all of our skills to, to young um, uh, kids in, in that community, or right. it's Pride Month, we want to donate all of our skills to LGBTQ uh, young people, or it's immigrants that we're interested in, or it's women that we're interested in, you know, so we can target uh, and help them create differences in, in, in targeted communities. I already have some I know, me too. I'll introduce you to because awesome. I think that that it would be perfect. Like I think for even the innate skills that the company offers, they have that, but then also, like you said, that uniqueness. And then what that does as well is imagine it promotes diversity and inclusion by 100%. everybody's different experiences, which they're kind of stuck with how do we do that? Yeah, at a mass yeah. level and also engage with the community. So, oh, I love it. I think that's I, and, so incredible. And, and yeah, and so that that's the exciting. So for me, when, remember earlier in the conversation, we talked about that passion. Yes. This is my passion. This is all I want to do, right? And so Sarah's going to run the company. Yep. I'm just going to run the Skillet Forward program. Right. right. Because I feel like I've got to a place in my life where I've earned the ability to work on what I love and what I'm passionate about, yeah. but you have to do the work. And I, I need to emphasize yeah. this for young people is you have to do the work to get there. You can't just decide I want yeah. to do this one thing and, and work in it right off the bat because it, it just doesn't, it doesn't help you in the long term. And I'll yeah. use my, my, uh, my daughters uh, as an example. You know, my oldest daughter is a petroleum engineer. Um, but she has this passion about energy, giving energy to undeveloped countries. Right. Right. And, and so she went and did her master's in sustainable global energy management. And she works for the International Energy Agency in Paris wow. right now. And, and, you know, so that's, that's her passion. My other daughter has been a social worker since she was five. Right. You know, that's been her passion. You know, her, yeah. her first school created an award for helping younger kids just so that they could give it to give her. Give it to her. Wow. That's, <laughs> right? so that's always been her passion. So she, she worked um, with homeless youth, you right. know, and as, as um, uh, with, in Calgary with a couple of different organizations. But she realized that the impact that she wants to make is not going to be um, in the field office. You know, she wants to make a bigger impact. So she went to London, did her master's uh, at the London School of Economics. And now she's working on the bigger impact policy change and advocacy and, and stuff like that. But in order to get to there, she had to work as a youth counselor for five you years. Have, yeah, you have to understand the basics of- Be a frontline worker. Going on. Yeah. yeah, be a frontline worker. Talk to these kids, understand what their challenges are, what their psychology is, what their issues are. You can't just go straight to policy and advocacy or, you know, and, and, right. and, and claim to understand what's happening. So no. that, so I, there's steps that you have to take along the way. There's money that you have to make along the way, right? You can follow your passion, but if your passion is, is, you know, um, weaving, it right. might not make you money that that is going to <laughs> right. allow you to, you know, to, to live when you're 65. And, 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 and so there's, there's these things. And I think kids need to make plans. Mm -hmm. uh, this is my ultimate goal. This is what I want my life to look like. You know, here's all the skills I'm going to need along the way to get there. 
I think they need to read your book. Uh, and I don't really say that because I love reading and I read lots and lots of books. This is incredible. What you've achieved is an incredibly engaging story that people can relate to, as well as very practical strategies and, and you know, what it, in terms of what it takes. And I think that um, everybody, but especially the millennials, they need to understand, you know, that it isn't, you're not going to become an overnight success, success and you're not going to, it's not going to be instant and that you do need to work for it, but that to actually revel in that journey, even when you're at the beginning stages and try and take it all in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I have always been about the journey, always. Yeah. Like I just, you know, it's always been about what what are we doing now? What excitement is happening right now? How are we building this? You know, even with Skillet, it's never been about the ultimate, you know, how much money are we going to make and how much are we going to sell this company for? That's part of the equation, right? right. You know, the, the, the thinking. But we have such an amazing team. And, you know, it, it, people like, like Jonathan Youngworth, I went to art school with John and he's such an amazing, talented designer. And I tapped into him early on and said, John, I want you to, I want you to design this. And John started um, designing it for money. And then he's like, screw this. I want to be a part of this company. Wow. You know, that's Nick Asik is a copywriter yeah. and he's a brilliant copywriter. And I tapped into him and I'm like, okay, how much are you going to charge us to help us do all of this? And he's like, you know what? I have a job that pays me really well. And um, I don't need the money right now, but this is really exciting. I want to be a part of it. You know, yeah. so with, Tara Wood has been with us from the beginning. She's been doing all of our social media. Um, Steph Stucco used to be chief of staff um, for Mayo when he worked when he was CEO of Hydro One. And she's now our CFO. Um, Sherry Austin at RBC was head of corporate citizenship for all of RBC. She's now our advisor and helping me with the Skillet Forward program. Like we've built this incredible, incredibly talented group of people that I pinch myself every day going, oh my God, you know, Noor, um, she is, um, uh, she's actually um, a member of my ex-husband's family and she is so bright and so talented and, and, and so amazing. And she's joined the team and she, she begged me for a few months. She's like, just give me a volunteer position. I just want to yeah. just give me a volunteer position. And now she's actually, you know, a member of the team. That's the journey. You have to fail in order to succeed. You have to be comfortable with failing. You know, it's building a business is not a strategy on a piece of paper. It's, you know, yeah. you can build a strategy and goalposts, but it's only when you implement it that it becomes a reality. And, and, and when you implement it, you are going to fail. You're going to right. find out that your initial assumptions, and we found this out, that's why building Skillet took three years. Um, your initial assumptions were all wrong. Right. You know, this is not what the audience needs from you. This is what they need from you. And this is how you're going to get there. So it's just, it's the journey. It's so much fun to build something. And not letting that, you know, when you do fail, it's more of a, you're failing forward that you're recognizing. Yeah. yeah actually, it's not that I failed. I actually learned which direction not to waste my time in. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. You become stronger. You become more resilient. You become smarter. You become more capable. Like all of those problems, right. you know, that happen in your life are actually good things. 
because without them, like when I think about, you know, leaving the war in Yemen, um, coming to Canada, having to go back to school as an adult, you know, like all of those things that happened in my life, I can look at them, you know, from a victim's lens and say, all of these things happened to me. And, you know, like it was, it was, it was a, a terrible things that happened to me, but I don't look at it like that because if all of those things had not happened, I would not be the person that I am today. Yeah, I believe right? so much. And, and so all of those things. So that's why in my book, I have what it takes. It takes, you know, things like, like um, shame, for example. You know, we look at shame as a bad thing. I don't necessarily look at it as a bad thing because for a big part of my life, it kind of kept me in check. Right. <laughs> you know, you know, when you're ashamed to do something, it's probably not it's probably right a sign that for you, you to do. <laughs> right. You know. And so there's there's all these different things that you just you just have to go with it. You just have right. to go with it. You have to experiment. You have to be okay with failing. You have to be okay with wearing different hats, doing things that you don't love to do. You know, you have to be okay. Um I've I've had to learn. Um I'm very direct. You know, it's, it's almost a fault of mine, you know, because not everybody takes, takes it the way you intend. Like, you know, I, in my mind, I'm trying to solve a problem. You know, I'm not as worried about your feelings or my feelings as I am to try and solve this problem. And a lot of people are more concerned with saying the right thing and not offending you and, and, and all of that. And then you don't actually get to solving the problem. Right. Right. And so, you know, it's, you know, it's that just all comes a, self-awareness and it feels like having read your, your book it, that you've really, every step of your journey, you've learned more about yourself. And, and, and I will for the rest of my life. And, and I love that, you know, you're at this stage now and I see so many incredible things with uh, Skillet. So I, I wish you so much luck. And Thank you. I feel so grateful to have had the opportunity to interview you because I feel like everybody needs to hear it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Women Leadership Nation's Breaking Barriers podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and share the stories of inspiration and encouragement to women all around the world by forwarding it to a friend. We want to help you continue to learn and grow. Visit WLNAcademy.com for additional resources, guides, training opportunities, and sign up to keep in touch so we can let you know the exciting things that are happening next. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, keep breaking barriers.